across the sea of character sheets, deep in the forest of D20s lies the mountain of source books. Welcome to the Mountain of Source Books. We hope you enjoyed your climb. My name is Jeffrey Vincent Dale, and for the first time ever, we got three people doing the news this week. So joining me are my co-hosts, Jesse. Howdy ho. And Steve. Hey. All right, so I've thrown a few things down in the show notes tab in Discord. But yeah, so let's start with Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. There's not really a whole lot to say about it, but it's getting decent reviews. <laughs> it's exactly what I expected from every single review it is, and everything that I saw in the like comments thing is this looks exactly like I was hoping this would be because it needs to be kind of just dumb, stupid action-y movie, and it doesn't need to be like high art or like grim. I think it looks uh, pretty interesting, like pretty good. I didn't expect it to be great review, like yeah, Oscar-worthy movies, yeah. but like, like, I was kind of... Had... If they had afraid tried, I would have of... been disappointed. Like, <laughs> yeah, but I was also kind of afraid it was going to be like either you know this amount of good, which I would see, or like you know like just bad. Yeah, the bad is what we expect um, in general from most movies like these. Um, they've made several terrible D and D movies. Uh, Jeff and Teach reviewed one. If you yeah, our last to episode that was uh, <laughs> the the movie from the year two thousand. <laughs> surprisingly our most popular episode yet in terms of listenership oh wow the algorithms favored us i guess <laughs> but yeah I'm, I'm i'm happy with the reviews i'm seeing hopefully it does well and it acts as a nice base for any sequels still hoping for a curse of strahd spinoff that would be so hard to do because it's basically dracula also, if they're going with this fun, goofy tone. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, you can do that in Curse of Strahd. I guess you can. You can do that in Curse of Strahd. It's, in fact, that would actually make it far of, like, more appropriate. But yeah, um, the problem with Curse of Strahd is it is absolutely, like, every freaking um, universal movie monster. Mm-hmm. But it works really well with its own tone and themes and the fact that you can just kind of run around and do whatever the crap you want in it. So any D&D game you do has to, at some point, have some level of humor. Otherwise, mm-hmm. nobody is having fun. Yeah. Yeah, but we'll see how what the future holds for the franchise. I, I'm just happy with what we got so far. <laughs> I, it's not like the worst possible thing you could do that's a positive for me <laughs> step in the right direction all right and speaking of D, we're getting more classic D video games released on steam yeah most of these i'd never even heard of yeah they're they made like probably 20 something of them in like a very 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 short period of time because i really don't think they were like that many years apart so I think they had just like they had an engine and they just kind of kept going with them. I've mm-hmm. played, I think, two kind of like of that era and I never really get anywhere in them. They're kind of not really my thing, but 
mm-hmm. to each their own. I mean, there's a lot of them now. You can get, I think there's an entire collection at this point that you can probably get. Yeah, they, they have the gold box collection that's out, and then they're going to release the silver box collection soon. That makes it seem even they're like not as excited. <laughs> oh, you yeah, have I was the code, that. now have the silver. <laughs> the, the gold box is fantastic. Silver box is like just as expensive, but you know it's kind of second place. So you know, just just temper your expectations. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we're being too mean. Uh, the one that caught my eye is there's a spell jammer video game. I had no idea about that. That is one thing that I kind of appreciate is that you do get some of those old like old settings that like okay nowadays <laughs> they are. <laughs> We have them back again, but they're not like you've had about five billion games in the Forgotten Realms setting. Very few games in Spelljammer, so that's really like really appreciated that that type of game exists. Not that I'm a fan of Spelljammer, but that's a whole different story. <laughs> no, I haven't actually played in it, but everything I've read from the books, I love it. I love the setting. I love I how dumb so. it is. <laughs> But yeah, so I'm I'm gonna be looking into those. I guess the Spelljammer game is a separate purchase from the Silver Box. That sounds about right. Hopefully, that's a sign that is higher quality. We'll see. I don't know. <laughs> uh, the fact I've we've not heard of it before. Is... Yeah, I'm well. These are very old. These probably mm-hmm. came out when we were like two years old. Some of them, yeah, probably. I some of them were in the '80s. That one, okay, no, that one came out in 1992. Oh, wow. Still older than I thought. <laughs> yeah. We were five. <laughs> I feel old now. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, it doesn't take much to make me feel old these days. <laughs> moving. All right. Next subject. Break. Ah, this one. Tabletop RPG inspired by Zelda and Studio Ghibli. Yeah, I would definitely look into the art. They're doing a Kickstarter too as well, but the art is very, very, very cute and very consistent, which is very important for indie indie, um, game developers for uh, RPGs because you need to have a consistent look for when you're doing things because otherwise people will immediately forget what they're looking at. Especially with a weird name like Break, which is the one problem I have with it. I'm going to <laughs> a kind of forgettable name. Yeah, I'm also not sure why they picked that name. <laughs> does it at least have two exclamation points? Let me give me a second. Uh, yes, it does. Yeah. It does. Yeah. Okay, good. That that's uh, that. It should have had three, but <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, they don't have the. Uh, kickstarter video out yet so they don't have like all of the details but the stuff that they have in the article is pretty neat it does yeah it mentions like almost 500 pages yeah that's a i lot. am wondering because it says the rulers themselves only take up a small amount of them and i'm yeah, like probably a, a lot of setting stuff which is not a bad thing um but that's hey, any excuse for more art yeah <laughs> like, yeah it is very beautiful the one 500-page book I have is uh, the anniversary collection of Mage the Ascension, which is, I think, 500 pages. It might be longer than that. 
And that's like the collection of the entire, every source book, every everything from that, even stuff that was submitted from their um, uh, Kickstarter backers. And I can't imagine a May, even if it's 20% of that only being rules, like there's got to be a bit more than that, but they mm. didn't give a precise number. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they'll have uh, more details, more more in-depth explanation when the Kickstarter comes in play. If it's if it's if, if it's small amount, at most like or at least 40%, please. <laughs> yeah, we'll find out in the end of April. I don't. Oh. I don't see an exact date, but end of April is what the the article says is for the expected launch date, launch time. But we'll see. I, I've Zelda is one of those franchises where I love the idea of it, even when I'm not quite. It's not like quite my kind of game. I, I will tell you exactly what it is. It is a generic fantasy setting that's allowed to build on itself. Where a lot of settings and like stuff that that comes from that type of stuff, because really, if you like look at it, it's the first game is basically just this is as generic as it comes. But they created stuff and built upon it and kept adding and adding and adding over the course of like what twenty something games, probably way more than that. I don't know. That you get a lot of run out of that and that's kind of how i feel like like a lot of the stuff that it looks like on here it looks like they took from other sources as well there's definitely like you mentioned ghibli there's definitely a lot of nausicaa not mm-hmm. nausicaa there is some nausicaa and also some uh Lapita as well in there like you can tell there's fair bit from at least those two yeah, it looks cool they kind of look like crazy chocobos yeah, that's definitely. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, that's that's a Nausicaa thing. So yeah, <laughs> I kind of like the idea of like a crocodile mount. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen that in anything before. I think about crocodiles is like you have to give them longer legs, and mm-hmm. crocodiles with longer legs just makes it look funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and then our last item here. Uh, I don't know how long this has been going, but I took a look at it. This Titancraft custom minis, instead of what most places do where you have to, you pay per mini, you buy, like, asset bundles, and you can use those assets, like, combine them together. So even if you you buy an asset that has, an asset bundle that has monsters, you can use those monster parts on your characters. It's It's a little bit kind of like, blender where you just kind of like put stuff together and it's not really it might not be intuitive which might be a problem but it seems like there's no requirements for how you put stuff together because the stuff that examples they give are really elaborate yeah i'm I'm just the, the last couple that i've tried like i i've i was able to make a gif on eldritch foundry but i couldn't make a turtle so if i want to make a turtle then I gotta go to like Hero Forge. So it it'll be nice if this one allows basically anything. I mean if if monster parts that will basically mean you can kind of use those to combine to create kind of anything to some degree. Mm-hmm. And most of my excitement really comes from the fact that I have a 3D printer now yeah, and yes. I want an excuse to yeah. use it. So <laughs> have you used it yet? 
No, I keep having stuff get in the way. There was that week a couple weeks ago I was going to do it, and then I hurt my back. And then last week I was too busy, and then this week I've been too busy. This does seem nice. Like, just buying a pack and you could, like, yeah, make what you need out of it. Mixing around the packs. It's better than going to a store and buying packs and being like, did I get something I can use? Did I get something that vaguely looks like my character? Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the old days. I'm yet again feeling old again. Well, I, I had that even just back in 2015 when I started, so... <laughs> I stopped using minis and just used, like, Monopoly pieces and stuff. That was my thing. Yeah, I mean, it works. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I do not have a 3D printer. I will never be able to afford one. <laughs> I never would have been able to get one if it weren't for the uh, the Kickstarter, because they had it at a discounted price. That's steal, Jeff. Yeah, we can do it. <laughs> I already have a wardrobe for sneaking into places at night, so that I at least have that. <laughs> I'm seeing a sci-fi asset pack on here. Speaking of sci-fi, this week we're doing our first impressions of the Star Wars RPG from West End Games. So we'll head on into that. All right, so it's been a while since we recorded our what we used to call our reviews. Now we're calling First Impressions because it's a more accurate name for what we're doing. Exactly. Uh, yep, and Teach is joining us for this one. Hello. Uh, some interesting facts about this game. It's literally as old as I am. Its first printing was the same month that I was born. So not a new game. Not by a long shot. Yeah, because he's old. Yes, I am an old. <laughs> yes, uh, we're not we're not using a first print copy, obviously, because that would be very difficult to obtain. It would have already been out of print by the time I even knew what an RPG was. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're using the anniversary re-release that Fantasy Flight Games put out a few years ago. At the time that we were planning this, it was still available. Since then, it has gone out of print. Uh, we're not usually going to cover games that are out of print. We're just making an exception this time because, I mean, it's Star Wars. A lot of people love Star Wars. I love Star Wars. I know, Teach, you're not a huge fan of Star Wars. Star Trek is better. I can see the argument. I'm not going to argue against Star Trek is pretty good. Please, you just don't like to argue. I do like Star Trek. I just, I, I prefer the more swashbuckling adventure of Star Wars. I like Spock. <laughs> Spock is pretty great. I relate to Spock. Rational beings. <laughs> but yeah, back to the game. One of the most interesting things about this particular game is the effect that it had on Star Wars as a franchise. No other RPG that I'm aware of has invented canon that then stuck around in the actual universe. Really? Yes. So at the time that this game was created, there were only three Star Wars movies. Return of the Jedi was the most recent one. 
And like there were species that had appeared on screen in those first three movies that were not named. This RPG named them and it remained canon and still does to this day. For example, uh, the, you know, the, that one alien race, that's just people with tentacles on either side of their head that are like blue and green and all that. Oh yeah. Those are called Twi'lek and that name came from this RPG. But if you oh. watch something like Star Wars Clone Wars or The Mandalorian and one of them is introduced, that's the term they use. Interesting. And they did that for quite a bit of stuff. Uh, and what, back in the 90s when they had writers writing books to expand on the stories, they would give them this RPG. Like, here is your primer on the Star Wars universe. Huh. Yeah, that's pretty cool. All right, so now the original release was just the core rule book, which technically had everything you needed to play. This re-release, the anniversary edition, comes with both the core rule book and what they call the source book. And that's where a lot of those invented names for the Star Wars races come from. Stuff like ship info, weapon info, basically everything you need to know about the Star Wars universe if you say hadn't seen the movies that all of that stuff was in the source book and they packaged both together in the anniversary release. That's convenient. And the core rules also come with a solo adventure. So if you're planning on running a game, you can go through an adventure to see how it works on your own. Uh, and it also comes with a full adventure for standard play with a DM and multiple players. Yeah, introverts playing by themselves. <laughs> I mean, it's become it's becoming more and more popular lately. Solo play. I need solo play because I can't find people to play with me because all of my friends don't want to leave the house and they all go to bed at different times. So it's really hard being an adult it is. and having friends. But hey, at least you have the podcast. Yes, at least, I have, <laughs> at least I have a podcast to complain about how I have no friends and. <laughs> <laughs> but at least at least my brother will play tabletop games with me. <laughs> so the basic rules. So this system borrows a lot more from D&D &D than anything we've done before on the show. Uh, your characters have attributes and skills. Attributes are your innate abilities. Stuff that you have because of your species that you were born as or the culture you come from. Uh, and then you have skills which are unique to your character and are selected by you. Wait. Skills all fall under specific attributes. So attributes are kind of used as like a grouping for the skills. For example, you got the strength attribute. Say you have a skill for melee combat. If you're doing anything strength related, you use your strength attribute when you're rolling. Unless you have some extra, an extra boost to a skill in that stat. So... 
if you're good at melee fighting and it's better than all your other physical strength skills, then you would use your melee skill. And okay. it gives you a bit more of a boost. And what they use for that, they call them die codes. Every skill and attribute has a die code, which is a number followed by the letter D. And that tells you how many six-sided dice to roll for that skill or attribute. So this game only uses standard six-sided dice like you would find in like a Monopoly board or something. So, for example, if your skill has 3D plus one, you throw, roll three six-sided dice and then add one to the result. I'm looking for my dice right now and I can't find them. Oh, there they are. <laughs> okay. Continue. Force abilities work differently from any other skills. You only get them if your character's template starts with them. I think I'm going to need an example for that one. There are three different force skills. Okay. Control, Sense, and Alter are the force skills. So some of these templates, which are kind of like playbooks from Powered by the Apocalypse game, some of these templates, you start off with the ability to use the force. For example, if you, if you happen to choose a Jedi, you'll have one or more of those three force abilities. Now, if I read the rules correctly, if you don't have force abilities but you find someone who has force abilities, they can teach you how to use the force. So they can be your Yoda? Yes. Neat. And now, slightly confusing, everyone starts off with what is called a force point. Basically, at any point during the game, in play, you can decide that you're going to use the force. Now, this is not to be confused with a Force ability, which is, like I said, confusing. A little bit. The way that Force points work is when you activate one, you double all of your die codes for everything for the next turn. And you're immune to stun. So, say, for example, you're using a skill that you roll three dice for, if you decide to use the force for that roll, you get six dice. Ooh. Yes, and if you use it, there are different results depending on how you use it. If you use a force point to commit an evil act, you have to roll to see if your character becomes evil. Are there? So I take it there are evil acts... And good acts. And neutral acts. Outlined in the book. Yes, there, there's, a, there's a section on how that is to be done in the Game Master section. God. Uh, and if you use it to do something good at a moment that makes for good storytelling, you not only get your force point back, but you also get another force point afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> so, if it's really good storytelling, you get a bonus point. Essentially, yes. And obviously that's left up to the DM. But you get it back 
I, I can't remember if it's at the end of the session or at the end of the adventure. They use the term adventure, but I don't know if they mean like you finished a session and now the DM decides the next session what how many force points you're going to have. Or if they mean at, once you have finished the particular story you're telling over multiple sessions. Uh, I plan to look into that afterwards. Well, I mean, we're only going to do a one shot, so I guess it's not really going to matter too much. Yeah. But yeah, I, th- I thought that was interesting. If if your character becomes evil, they become an evil NPC. So it's it's basically the player has to hand their character over to the DM, and the DM now controls that character. Aw, lame. Yeah, I'm not sure I like how that works. I think that's a little too high chance. <laughs> Yeah, because do we know what's evil and what's good acts or things? The the book made made it sound like it was stuff that was like clearly evil, like torturing someone, killing an innocent, stuff like that. Okay. In terms of combat, combat doesn't have a turn order, which is interesting to me. Ugh. Uh, usually that's... They don't have turn orders? Well, the reason that they don't have turn order in this game is because everyone discusses what they're going to do on a turn and everyone's actions take place simultaneously. Okay. And then if you if you have characters that want to do things together, then they happen in whatever order makes sense. For example, say say you're helping somebody giving them a lift so they can get above cover and shoot. The person giving the other person a lift goes first, then the person shooting goes. Okay. Uh, the exception to that is when an action for one character would interrupt the action of another character. The book gives the example of two characters shooting at each other. All right. Whoever rolls highest to determine whether or not they hit, they go first. And if you get hit, then... The person who gets hit misses their turn because they have been hit. So let me get this straight. You roll. So do you roll to see? Yeah, you still roll to see whether or not you hit. Whether or not you hit first and then you roll to see if you hit or is it just one roll? It's just one roll. Everyone discusses what they're going to do. And then they each roll to see whether or not their particular action succeeds. Okay. And then if two actions are in conflict with each other, whoever rolls highest wins. Okay. And then if two players are taking actions against each other and they tie, then they have to re-roll until one of them gets a higher roll. All right. If they tie against an NPC, then the NPC loses. Okay. Which is pretty standard. So I thought that was an interesting approach. It's better than the just chaotic, anybody does whatever, whenever. <laughs> yeah. I still prefer initiative turns. But yeah, this is this is a nice middle ground between the two. Okay. All right. So that that's really the basics. So let's move on to creating a character. Yes, please. Now, I, I handed you the physical copy of the book before I, after I made my notes. 
Yes. Uh, and the bookmark will take you to the front of the 24 pre-made templates that you get to choose from. Okay. Noble, student of the force, brash pilot, failed Jedi, <laughs> gambler, <laughs> kid? Yes. Kid in there? I'm pretty sure what they're going for is that it is essentially Luke from episode four. So before he had any force abilities. Do we have like a level headed pilot in here? (laughs) They should. There's an Ewok. Why in the world they include the Ewok as a playbook, but not. We'll see. I, I don't. I have them written down here. I've got retired Imperial captain, maybe, tongue-tied engineer, a smuggler, Wookiee, and that's it. Mm. Yeah, let's see. Where does piloting fall under? Uh, Mechanical. Okay, so you would want someone with high mechanical as their base. Okay, got it. So 2D plus 2. There's a 3D plus 2 for Imperial Captain. Yeah, Brash Pilot has 4D on Mechanical. Uh, Of course it does. Yeah, I want the one with the most Mechanical. Yeah, I'm looking through the the list and the Brash Brash Pilot is the only one. All right. Alright, so the, the the character sheet for the Brash Pilot is sort of your base stats, what you start with. Now, as part of character creation, you get to add seven dice to your skills. So, for example, you have 3D in Dex. So, say you wanted to be really good at a specific skill under Dexterity, you could add one or two dice to it. So that would mean okay. normal, your, a normal dexterity roll would be 3D, but say you wanted to be really good at blasters. Blaster. Yeah. So you could raise that up to as much as 5D. Okay. You have seven dice to add however you want. Uh, you can only add a max of two to a specific skill, though. Okay. And just so you know, my name is Beverly Bass. And if you know that name, kudos, because you are a musical nerd just like me. There is a pilot from the musical Come From Away. Um, I won't get into that because that's not what this podcast is about. But Come From Away, amazing musical, musical nerds. Thumbs up. Anyway, so we've got dexterity, knowledge, and I have seven dice. Well, I definitely want to add a dice to piloting. Okay. Um, dexterity, I am doing a plus one for the blaster, because I get a blaster. Uh, knowledge is originally a 2D. I'm doing a plus one for planetary systems. And you know what? No, I'm just going to get rid of the technology because I really don't need that. 
And I'm going to add shields to my repertoire. Okay, so knowledge 2D. I'm going to do planetary systems plus one. Mechanical 4D. I'm doing starship piloting with an extra die. Starship shields with an extra die. Perception and strength. I'm not doing anything for those. Those are all 3D, three dice. Mm -hmm. Technical, three dice. I am doing computer programming repair plus one die, repulsory lift repair plus one die, starship repair plus one die. Okay. So I can shoot a blaster pretty good, I can navigate, and I can repair my ship. Okay. Alright, so that's all the stat stuff, and then you'll get one force point. Yeah, and then like the all the physical description stuff we'll do in the actual character creation episode. Yeah. Uh, and if you want to, you can use some of the money you have to buy equipment. Uh, we'll do that off air because that will take a while. Yeah. Uh, and then character connections. We'll be doing that in character creation uh, in the actual character creation episode. Okay. All right. So we got Beverly Bass all set for our character creation episode. Which will be going up in two weeks. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to this one. I it's it feels like it's a nice middle ground between the complexity of D and D and the more simple systems like the ones we've been playing. Hopefully that'll help things feel a little more structured. I know that that's been a kind of our complaint about the last two systems. Yes. All right. So I guess that'll be it for for this week then. Goodbye, listeners. Bye. Our podcast can be found on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and our Mountain of Sourcebooks YouTube channel. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at mountain underscore of underscore source underscore books, and to follow our Facebook page, mosb-mountain of sourcebooks, where you can get updates on everything that's happening with us. And on all of those services, if you could follow, like, and subscribe, that would help us a ton as it raises our visibility and makes it easier for people on those various platforms to find us. And if you're feeling particularly generous, consider donating to our Patreon. You can find that at patreon.com slash mosb underscore 2022. And with all that said, thank you for listening. Be careful on your way back down the mountain.